Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Finding Your Freedom podcast. I am so happy to have you guys here, and if you guys can't already tell, I'm feeling super energized, just had an amazing interview, which you're about to hear, just danced a little bit, and pow, 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 pow. <laughs> um, it's the one year anniversary episode. I cannot believe it. Can you guys believe it? I cannot believe it. If you've been listening to the show and loving what you've been hearing and would like to help out the show and wish me a happy one-year podcast anniversary um, podcast birthday, um, I would really appreciate if you would review the podcast, write a written review, five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and If you write a written review, you can send me a screenshot on Instagram and I will say all the beautiful, kind things that you're wanting to hear. Um, Yeah, I think I might actually start sending out letters of different things. So if you guys want to do that to help me celebrate my one year of the Finding Your Freedom podcast, aka the best endeavor (laughs) I've ever done, please leave a review and if you happen to somehow listen to this before 6.30 EST on the 27th of January, 2021, um, join me for my Instagram live um, podcast birthday party before I go out and celebrate with dinner with a friend. So yeah, um, lots of fun stuff happening. I announced on Instagram I'll be getting shirts for the podcast soon. I have some really fun ideas and fun people to work with to help me (laughs) bring those ideas to light. So I'm super excited about that. And yeah, for year two, you can expect some good shit. (laughs) Um, Lots of good guests lined up for the rest of this year. A lot of interesting people that I'll be bringing to you guys. And yeah, I'm just really excited to see how this podcast evolves in the next year. And just I thank you guys so much for your support and I just like I said before how has it been a year it's been crazy and I'm just really being called to reflect a little bit more on the lessons that I learned because it feels like January last year was like a whole different world so kind of just reflect on the lessons that I learned specifically from quarantining and you know, early quarantining and how that really shifted my perspective and my dreams and all of those things and like in ways that I'm not even consciously aware of right now. Um, yeah, so I definitely want to take some time to do that. Encourage you guys to do that too and hope you've had fun releasing 2020 and just setting really amazing intentions for... 2021. But yes, we have a guest episode for you guys this week. Really interesting stuff. We're going to be talking about past life regressions, which I talked about past life things on my episode with True of Tea Witch, which was really fun. Um, kind of just how we both saw ourselves having a past life in New Orleans and knowing ourselves before and yeah, I'm just really excited for this episode. And even if you're 
you know, really skeptical, I think this could be like a really fun and good episode for you guys to listen to. So for today's guest, we have Daniel G, um, the past life regressionist. So he is a quantum healing hypnosis technique practitioner. That is a mouthful who wants to help you discover who, when, and where you've been across time. He also feels the way he can do his part to make the world a better place is to help free individuals from the karmic baggage they've been carrying around for multiple lives. He believes that once you're free, you approach every decision from a different vantage point, which creates a butterfly effect that ripples around the world and beyond space and time as we know it. Yeah, so a big part of his mission is really freedom and freeing yourself, which is a big, obviously, a big mission of this show. I hope to do an episode more on the process of this show coming to light and all of those things soon to celebrate one year, but I won't make you guys wait any longer um, and get into the show with Daniel. Um, Happy... Happy one year to the Finding Your Freedom podcast, and I love you guys so much. So the first question that I ask everyone, because it's the Finding Your Freedom podcast, is what have you been finding your freedom from lately? That's a good question. Probably my fear of speaking out, just about things of this nature, of the woo-woo or metaphysical nature. I think it's because I've been killed for it in past lives. So I'm finding my freedom from that fear of being killed for talking about these things I'm about to talk about. That's my way of kind of giving a nod to those who tried to shut me up in past lives. Yeah. Well, you're doing a good job of letting go of that fear coming on the podcast since you're going to talk about it a lot. Thank you. But um, yeah, what has it been like kind of overcoming that fear of talking about it when you have that, that experience of being killed for it in a past life? Well, before it was, I mean, before I had the awareness of where it originated from, it was just an unknown fear. It was something that seemed completely based in, I mean, for lack of a better term, reality, where it just felt like I was afraid of speaking about these things because they aren't universally accepted. So it's that fear of what would others think? Yet, there are other things that I would speak about you know, that weren't of this nature where I would run that risk as well. Yet, yeah, <laughs> you know, it just, it's, it's, it originated outside of the here and now. So once I understood where it was coming from, then it was time to say, all right, let's do something about it. Let's face that fear. Yeah. 
Yeah. Have you lost um, lost friends or anything once you started talking about this and I guess like talking about your work openly? I don't know if I necessarily lost friends as much as I gained new ones. You know, gained new friends that were more in a, I mean, dare I say alignment with my beliefs. But I believe it's still important for me to hold on to the friends that I had because they keep me grounded because I get to have my feet in both worlds. I get to understand that grounded nature of social interactions. And then I get to see the other side of it. And I love my friends, so I never want to lose them. Yeah. Yeah. Trust me. I know the the feeling of being, being in both worlds, but for, for me personally, I guess on this like journey or whatever, I've lost like so many friends. Um, So it's interesting, like, you know, for some people, I feel like it has, it is like that. And then some people, like you said, you're able to keep the ones from before, which is nice. I mean, I think that they look at me slightly differently now because, I mean, I recently had one friend who, you know, he was talking about me to his girlfriend and he said to her like, oh, you'd love him. You're like, you can talk about crystals with him. So I'm like, (laughs) you know, crystals aren't necessarily my forte, but yeah, sure. We can talk about that. I think it just kind of it morphed into something new. Yeah, that's funny. It's like, I feel like when people are just trying to throw something random into spirituality, they're like, they like crystals. And it's like, not everyone is like obsessed with right. crystals. But um, I mean, yeah. in all transparency, I am actually holding onto a rose quartz right now in my hand. <laughs> I mean, it's really smooth. So it just feels nice on my hand too. Yeah, I have a few ro- rose quartz things. That's like my favorite, favorite crystal if we're going to go there. <laughs> But um, how long have you been in L.A.? I'm curious. My entire life. Your entire life. Okay, so you grew I'm up in L.A. Born and raised here. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Very, very Taurus of you. <laughs> I'm comfortable here. What can I say? Yeah. Where, where in L.A.? Like, what part of L.A. are you living? If you don't mind I'm in sharing. the San Fernando Valley. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Cool. Just the valley out in the West Valley area. Interesting. No, right near where I grew up. String very far from home. Yeah. Can't say I know about that life because I've been kind of all over the place, but uh, (laughs) LA is a fun place. Where I grew up was very small and not somewhere you'd want to stay. Might be nice for a weekend. Yeah, it's nice for a weekend for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But um, kind of going off of that, I'm curious, you know, how did you get into what you do now i'm curious also what was like your what was your profession before this and how did it kind of morph into doing past life regressions which we're going to be talking all about in this episode so for me it stems from an autoimmune disorder so right off the bat i like to differentiate the difference between believing and knowing you know we were raised in a society that indoctrinates that the only things that are real are things that can be proven. So I used to have thoughts when I was younger about stuff such as reincarnation. I mean, not that I would go off on inner mind tangents in it, but I would think, hmm, I wonder, maybe. But being a product of the system, it wasn't something that could be proven. So It kind of just strayed out of my mind for a while. And also, I'm a firm believer in science. So 
still growing up in that world of only what science could prove was real. And when my autoimmune disorder really hit me, I put my faith in Western medicine. And for years, doctors would say to me, oh, we've got the cure for you. This thing we're going to try right now, this is the cure. I mean, those are also the doctors who told me or that didn't tell me that I was crazy or that nothing was wrong with me. But after years of failed experiments, I guess you could say, I was just beyond defeated. And I lost all hope that I would find health in that route or on that path. So I had to open myself up to the possibility of allowing myself to venture outside of science and what could be proven. I mean, I had to be pushed to that extent by my own health. And I, <laughs> I started to notice these little things line up in the expression, I guess I now have for it, are synchronicities. And it just kind of led me to past life regression. And it, it changed my life because admittedly, it did not heal me physically, but it changed my perspective. Whereas I was so moved by the experience that I was a believer in past lives. And by default, I believed in future lives. So I walked away saying, all right, next time it could be better or it could be worse. These are the cards I've been dealt for this time around. So what am I going to do with them? How am I going to play them? And that just, it felt great because I was no longer a victim of my circumstances. Like my autoimmune disorder was no longer my identity. It was just this thing I had to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember when we were talking before and you told me about the story, there were, I remember you mentioning a guitar being like a part of your story and all of those different things. And I listened to another podcast you were on and I'm curious when you had your first regression did you see like a reason for the autoimmune disorder in this life? Like, was there something in a past life that contributed to it? Or is this like a specific, this lifetime occurrence that you're having? That's a good question. In that first session, there were other things that came up that weren't related. Or then again, they could have had everything to do with it because it was more the emotional component of things. And it was identifying the source of an emotion that I felt for my entire life and understanding where that originated from and releasing it. So that alone just changed things for me as well because I wasn't burdened with that feeling anymore. Yeah. What was that feeling? Anger. Anger. Mm -hmm. And it was an anger still that I couldn't put my finger on. And it was an anger that no one really saw. Like I didn't have outbursts or anything like that, but it was just something I carried around. And it was linked to also a feeling of failure for my entire life up until that point. I mean, I think I was what, 28, 29? No, I was 29 when I had my first regression. And I always felt like a failure. Everything that, that I would do, even if I consciously knew that I was succeeding at it, there was that subconscious feeling of, I failed. I failed. Like, oh my God, I failed. Why do I feel like I failed when I succeeded? And I understood the origins of it after the session where I was placed in a situation where like, 
I, I succeeded, but I was too late in a sense. And ultimately that led to the burden of failure and equating it with success. So once I understood where I came from, a success became a success and failure was just a lesson. So when I succeed now, that's all that it is. I just, I feel like, hey, I did it. I did it. This is amazing. I did it. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's the feeling of anger. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm sure you have like living in LA and being in this world. It kind of makes me think of like Ayurvedic medicine and like pitta and like fire and anger and how that is supposed to cause like inflammation and like how that's related to autoimmune disorders. So that's really interesting. But I'm curious, what did you do for work before you started doing this? I wasn't doing too well. I'll just put it that way. Um, yeah, my health was getting the best of me. So I took it as an opportunity to, like you said, identify me as a Taurus, to slowly and steadily build myself up and acquire skills that I felt would help me for the day when I was healed. So, I mean, after about three years of my, you know, my illness, I said, I just, I want to be ready to hit the ground running that day when I'm healed. I don't want to say now what, and what am I going to do now that I'm healed? I just want to be like, all right, let's do it. So it was just finding ways to improve myself internally and to, to foster a creativity that the school system never allowed me to show. I guess that's the best way I could put it. Yeah. Did you go to college or? I did, but I am, I'm not the best student in the world because I don't, I don't like stupid things, I guess you could say, or pointless things. Like for example. hmm? Busy work. Right. If there's no point to it, why do it? I don't like the whole don't ask, don't tell mentality. Or no, I'm sorry, (laughs) not don't ask, don't tell. I, yeah, that is definitely not what I meant to say. Don't don't ask, don't. like that either. (laughs) Yeah. No, 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 no. Definitely don't like that. I do not support don't ask, don't tell. Need to make that abundantly clear right now. Don't ask, don't tell, follow. That's what I meant to say. You know, in the, like, we're, I guess what I really mean by that statement is don't question anything. If someone tells you to do something, do it because they tell you to do it. And I don't sign on to that. So when it came to math, when I was a child, I excelled in math in elementary school. You know, when it came to simple arithmetic, I could just do it in my head. And I did great. I was getting all the math awards in school. Then when middle school rolled around, I didn't do so well in math anymore because they required you to show your work. Yet, I would do the math in my head. And the teacher would say to me, you need to show your work. I say, why? You need to show your work. But I'm not cheating. I don't, why do I need to show my work? I'm doing it in my head. And so I would get half credit on everything. And my Taurus stubborn streak would just say, well, fine, I don't care what grade you're going to give me that. I'm not going to do it the way that you're telling me to do it. Because my mentality is, if I get from point A to point B without cheating or stealing or hurting anyone or stepping over anyone, 
why does it matter how I got from point A to point B as long as I get there in an honest way? So, you know, this continued throughout middle school and high school. And when I got to college, it was just like, why do I need to take a math course when I want to do something in the creative department, which at that time still I couldn't even explore because I had to take all those classes first. But once my 20s rolled around, that's when I started to go to programs that specialized in music or writing or things of that nature. So ultimately, I did finally graduate from a certification program in, what was it, March of 2020. So, yay, it was a television writing certificate. Yay. (laughs) That's super interesting because I feel like I think back in my life and there were like little pockets and little moments of rebellion. But like until I was 22, I was like very much in my Virgo. Like I was very obedient with like all the rules. And now like I I feel like now like my Gemini is like in control and now like very curious and questioning everything. But growing up, I was very much like oh, you want me to do this? Okay. (laughs) Like to anything (laughs) with no question ever. So it's interesting. If a rule makes sense, then I follow it. You know, if you're coming up to a red light or yellow light and it turns red, then you stop at a red light. Like those types of things. Yeah, they make sense. I'm not going to be a rebel to run a red light just because I don't like the rules. It's the rules that are stupid and don't make sense. Like you have to show your work in, in math, even if you're doing it properly in your head. That's a stupid rule. Yeah, I remember those days. I remember, I remember middle school math. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, so I, anyone who's listening, also, I'm, I have a much softer side in past life regression. So this side doesn't come out. This. You know, this rebel streak that I have when it comes to middle school math. Yeah, it's really weird, this conversation. It's like, it's really taking me back to middle school math. And like, if any of my friends that were friends with me in middle school ever listened, I like, the one thing I did rebel on was like dress code. Like I got so many dress code violations in middle school. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that you had a, or you reminisced of an earlier time with me. Yeah, yeah. I have a knack for doing that with people. That was a past life regression joke. I guess it didn't land. No, it did. I'm I'm like too in my my memory at the moment (laughs) when you were saying that, that I was like, I was like, what is he saying? I'm like taken back to like my desk in middle school. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) so I was in my head. I got your joke. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) But yeah, for everyone that's listening, I feel like for a lot of people, they're probably, they've maybe heard of a past life regression, but they don't really know what that means. So I'm curious, like, how would you define a past life regression and kind of like, what is the process that you go through? Sure. So past life regression is revisiting a past life through hypnosis. And it can be used as a healing modality, although... I have to state, I am not a doctor. So if you're having a medical issue, go see a doctor first. And if you can't find the source of it, then come talk to me. But it can be used to uncover the origins of 
mental or physical ailments or to uncover why you are drawn to a particular person or why you can't separate from a particular person in order to uncover those connections and just to have a firmer understanding of where you've come from and to also put a face or a name on feelings that you've had for your entire life and find a way to make them more tangible. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say like hypnosis, I feel like kind of distinguish between the stereotypical hypnosis and like, what is this more, this experience more like compared to that? And I'm glad you brought that up. So yeah, it's not stereotypical hypnosis. It is not, you know, you barking like a dog or checking out. You were completely aware of what's going on. You were in full control of what you were experiencing. And I had another practitioner describe it to me perfectly. Her name is Tiffany. And she calls it an interactive guided meditation. So it really is just a deep meditation. And we're talking throughout the experience. So, you know, there are also people who do past life readings where they tap into your past life and they tell you what you were. At no point in this experience am I telling you anything. You are in a space where you are experiencing it for yourself and you're relaying to me what you see. Which is why I absolutely love the process because, hey, you don't need to take my word for it. You're experiencing it yourself. Yeah. What, like, what type of person do you think is the type of person that does well I've, I guess I have two questions. Like, what is the type of person that you see being a good past life regressionist? Like, what are, what are some, like, skills of that person? And, like, what beyond just the synchronicities kind of drew you to that? And then what is the type of person that does well in a past life regression, if that makes sense? Mm-hmm. So I'll start with the second one, if that's okay with you. Sure. I believe that anyone who's open to the experience, they're the perfect person to have that experience and they can easily slip into that state as long as they're open to it and they don't come in with any expectations because whatever you're expecting, it's it's not going to be that. It's going to be something completely different. So if you're open to it, then you're the perfect person for it. Even if you don't believe in it, but you're open to giving it a try, you're still the perfect person for it. Because just allowing yourself to have the experience, that's what makes all the difference in the world. And when it comes to what makes a good past life regressionist, was that the question? Yeah. I think that anybody can be a past life regressionist, but I think that it takes people who have an immense curiosity for the unseen to look at life through a lens that eclipses the five senses in a sense and to think beyond the here and now and that a person is not just made up of their experiences in this life, but it's the totality of every experience they've had in this life and all the other lives that they've ever lived. So it's, I think it's a very outside the box mentality that you have to have in that rigidness which I know goes against the grain for me in many ways rigidness does not do you any favors if you're a practitioner that you just you got to be able to think on your feet and if you're throwing a curveball 
you got to know how to hit a curveball because not everything is going to be a fastball. So, yeah, and I think just still, it's the curiosity for for the world and for the universe and for everything that you can see and that you can't see. Yeah, yeah. I asked that and I, I was really interested in that because I feel like, I don't know, I mean like in the spirituality space, I feel like the kind of stereo, stereotypical things you hear of are like a lot of people migrate to being coaches or like tarot readers and I just, I know of a lot less past life regressionists. So I'm like, okay, like who are these people that are drawn to this? But that makes sense. It's, yeah, I, I just, I think you nailed it. And it's definitely different. It is definitely different. And that's why I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it just reminded me I need to have someone come on to talk talk about Reiki. Have you ever had someone in a session, because I've heard from people say before in Reiki that they have like had some, like a Reiki practitioner say that this like pain in their hip was because of a past life? Have you had people come in, you know, after a Reiki session intrigued by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, multiple times. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Very interesting. It's fascinating how other people can pick up on that. Like I'm totally intrigued when people have that gift of identifying past lives through their own intuition or someone else's past life. I just, I think that is so cool. Yeah, that is really cool. It's really interesting. I'll make sure to have, (laughs) after this episode, I'll have a Reiki practitioner on so we can dive (laughs) deep into that, that skill. But another thing I'm curious about with this is I know on like Instagram and everything, you post a lot of book titles and everything. Um, So I'm curious, like, do you know anything about like the history of this? Like how long have people been doing this or believing in this, like kind of to your knowledge? Well, there's the modern history for it, which is what I think we know. but who knows if this was done in the past as well. And it was just a lost art, which I think is highly likely or highly possible that it's, it really does go back a very long time. I'm not a complete expert when it comes to the history of it, the modern day history, although I'm certified in what's called QHHT, which was founded by Dolores Cannon. And I believe that she discovered it in the, was it the mid to late sixties? where she was doing hypnosis on people and just kind of stumbled upon it. And then the same thing happened for someone named Brian Weiss. I believe that was in the early eighties and same thing. He was guiding one of his clients through hypnosis to uncover. I want to say it was something that had to do with, with um, not being able to breathe Still, don't quote me on this one. It's been a couple of years since I read his book. But trying to peg the source of that in her current life. But she was just spontaneously regressed back into a past life. And he's kind of like, oh, what's going on here? So it just kind of happened. And then they refine their techniques over time. And there are other people in there that I'm you know, not touching on. So I don't want to <laughs> just give them all the credit. But I think for these people, it just sort of happened. 
So it's been around for a while, but I think it's gaining steam now. I'm curious, were they therapists doing hypnosis or do you know? I believe Brian Weiss was. Okay. I'm not sure about Dolores Cannon though. Yeah. It's really interesting because this like different therapy called like EMDR, like it was just discovered by this guy like going on a walk in the woods and like his eyes moving and like feeling calm or something. And then I've heard about, you know, like human design and gene keys, how they kind of just like spontaneously like came through for people. So those things are really interesting. Um, I mean, that brings up a whole other slew of questions of how spontaneous was it really? You know, and for Dolores Cannon and Brian Weiss, did it just happen or on some level were they remembering it from a past life? And that ability just kind of came back to them to do it or they had already, you know, learned it. So maybe they weren't consciously aware of what they were doing, but then it, that's when it appeared to be spontaneous. So something like a human design, like still, I don't know the history of human design, but could it be a forgotten art that, you know, whoever discovered it in this life may have just been remembering what they discovered in a past life from way back when. True true so i feel like i'm intuitively being guided to like a lot of interesting questions that i did not think of before (laughs) but um yeah how do you i guess just going out going through your day-to-day life day-to-day normal normal human life like how do you hold how do you hold such a dynamic concept of time like how do you stay grounded in that like that understanding of time as such, um, I don't know, such a, like an immense concept that past lives could and future lives even could be affecting this moment. I have to remember that I live in a world where time is viewed as linear and that I can sit on my balcony and let my mind drift off to those places, to the what ifs, but when I need to go to the grocery store, I live in a world where time is linear. You know, I'm, I'm surrounded by a society that believes that time is linear. So if we universally accept something, then it becomes real. So it's, it's a matter, I guess, of not getting my head lost in the clouds and that still having to remind myself that this is the way that the world still operates. And is it fun to think while I'm at the grocery store, if I've had an interaction in a past life with whoever's checking me out there? Yeah. Like it could be cool to think that perhaps 1500 years ago, I was the one who was working at a marketplace and they were a customer and it's just the roles are reversed. So do I think about those things? Yeah. But they are just thoughts at that point too, because I can't prove them. And so I think still that's where my belief from childhood comes in that if I can't prove it, it's not entirely real, but it's still a possibility. Mm-hmm. Does that answer the question? Or Yeah, it does. <laughs> I kind of go off there. Yeah. I'm curious in your experience or with, um, with your clients, like have you had clients or anything who 
or you in the past, like where you were, you know, drawn to certain TV shows or movies that were from this like particular era or like certain places or like different things like that. And those end up being, you know, things they remembered in a past life or they have had like flashback experiences, not in a regression. So I've actually had that experience where when I was in elementary school, when we were covering slavery, we were watching the miniseries Roots. And there was a scene where there was a slave that was thrown overboard from one of the slave ships. And when this happened, I just sat there watching this, like, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. How have I seen this before? How have I seen this before? I've never seen this show before, but I know that I've seen this before. It was, it was very real to me. And then there was a regression that I had a couple of years ago where I saw myself in my you know, most recent past life or most recent in a linear sense. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> most recent in, in one incarnation where there could be split ones, but that's a whole other, you know, <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. But I saw myself in my living room or den and I was sitting in a very, you know, a mid-century chair with a big back to it. And I was probably maybe in my 60s or 70s. And it was the moment of my death. But when I was in the body and watching TV, which is what I was doing at the time, that scene from Roots was on where the slave was being thrown overboard into the water. And then it clicked for me. Oh my God. I was remembering the last thing I saw in that past life when I was watching Roots. And in that particular life, I happened to pass away in the late 70s. And that's when Roots debuted. So could it have been a coincidence or deja vu of some respect? Sure. Sure, it could have been. But I believe that it was more than that. Yeah. I mean, do you think deja vu is a past life phenomenon? I think it could be. Or it could be... I mean, then we're venturing into multiple realities, multiple dimensions, multiple timelines. And if it's multiple timelines or multiverse, is there a version that is existing ahead of us in linear time? So it's just picking up on that. You know, maybe it's a week ahead or a month ahead or an hour ahead, but it's that bleeding over in that identification of that remembrance from that parallel dimension or parallel life. Yeah, I think it could be it. Yeah. But then again, like maybe I'm just viewing it through a linear lens when it comes to it being a past life thing. And that, like with that said, I can't tell you definitively that I won't incarnate into the mid 1600s in my next life. So if that's the case, you know, like does deja does vu, right? Yeah. So could it be deja vu from a previous incarnation? But again, it's it's viewing time through a linear sense and that's all I can do as a human. It's fun to think about other things, but I don't know if we're quite programmed to think beyond that yet. 
Yeah. I, this is reminding me like of a podcast I listened to like a year, I don't know, more than a year ago. And they were talking about like in physics that they've like proved that there like are two of you based on like some laws of physics that there is another reality that is the same you but like slightly different or something by some like physics is crazy physics is like the closest science to like spirituality um but it it was it was super interesting and um something else i heard on a podcast recently which that was really interesting that i never thought of is you know our brain all of these electrical impulses are going your brain is basically like a huge complicated wired circuit and like what they know in physics is from like a circuit that it you know, it has like a, it has an electromagnetic field. So, you know, physics kind of says like what we, we all say in spirituality of like your energy or like this thing that like your aura or whatever. So I think it, I don't know, all of it is very interesting. (laughs) It's like physics proves that these things are possible. Yeah. Very interesting. But um, speaking of that too, um, I'm curious if, in past regressions you you have like had an experience with like being in a different dimension or planet or something like that yes (laughs) okay and what was that like which time (laughs) sorry i don't know i'm not very good with my past life humor i'm sorry yeah, well, I'm any of the times that are fun to talk about. Well, also, I think you mentioned dimensions, right? Right. So I believe that I have lived lives on Earth that took place in different dimensions. Where, I mean, or it could have just been way back in the past part of a different civilization because I don't believe that we are the most advanced civilization to ever inhabit earth. I mean, I believe that there have been other civilizations that would just put us to shame in terms of their ability. So yeah, I do believe I've had those on earth and on other planets as well, where some had no connection to earth, but then some did some there was active communication between those places and earth. And so I know that it sounds very off the wall, but it's almost like we've gone backwards in terms of our place in the universe. What do you mean? Go back. We've gone backwards in our place in the universe. I think where the mainstream belief is that we haven't had contact that we like still until science proves that there are ETs, that it's not a real thing. Like I got news for you, science. Think about evolution. Cause I think that's one of the things that's always presented. It's like, well, you know, life has to evolve under these circumstances. Well, maybe we had to evolve under those circumstances. Why couldn't life evolve on Venus under the conditions on Venus? Why can't life evolve on the sun 
under the conditions that are on the sun? Why is it only that we are the center of the universe when it comes to the rules of evolution? So, I mean, that's my, <laughs> that's my little rebuttal to science in that respect, but also firm believer in science here, not discrediting science, just that science may not have all the answers to everything, but yeah. that we've gone backwards in, in thinking we're alone in the universe. So that being the accepted notion that we are alone when I believe that we had contact in the distant past and we were part of something bigger. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And I've never thought of it like we we define like the, you know, the things that are needed for life, like water and, you know, air or something, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um that the we're defining it by what we know on this planet that p- things on earth needed. So that is like a really interesting concept. Um yeah, that's super interesting. Um, Although they or they do have what's it called the Goldilocks zone, where in other solar systems, when they find a planet similar to Earth in orbit in similar proximity to their star, and with and they call it like the Goldilocks zone because I don't quite get the reference to because was it for the the three bears story was that what Goldilocks was or yeah am I mixing up my my nursery tales. Yeah, it's three bears, but I don't get the reference either. I don't get the reference. But even so, yeah, if you're finding planets in the Goldilocks zone with similar conditions to Earth, then yeah, maybe life could evolve there too. Yeah. Super, super interesting. But then again, why can't life evolve under the surface of the planet as well? Or we're just going in a completely different direction there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's very, it's very interesting. I'm definitely going to be doing a lot of like pondering <laughs> later <laughs> after this conversation, but um, something to totally pivot in a new direction. Um, so when people, when people get past life regressions, I know you've kind of mentioned, you know, you get the past life regression and it can help you in the present life. So what are some ways for like clients that getting the regression, if you have any kind of examples, has hap- like has affected and helped their present circumstances and sh- situations? So I had one, let's go back to a couple of years ago, where she suffered from depression. And in that life, she saw herself as I believe it was a man with two children and his wife had passed away and he just had this perpetual sadness that stuck with him because I mean, it was grief and he didn't know how to deal with it. So what he would do is just go out on his little rowboat, just kind of sit there and through the identification of that sadness that that version of her or him was carrying around, we go through a process of forgiving and releasing it and letting it go. So we went through that process. And then she told me a little while later that she went off of her antidepressants 
because she felt like she'd finally got to the source of where that sadness originated from. And it totally makes sense too. Wow. I mean, could, yeah. look, could it have just been, you know, a figment of the imagination? Sure. You know, could it have been the placebo effect? I don't believe so, but I can't rule it out. But even if it was, does it really matter at the end of the day? Still, I believe it was real. Just seem to make that very clear. But if you heal, then you heal. And that's really all that's important at the end of the day. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool and really profound and has me really interested to do my full regression because um, we know, or we, both of us, no one else <laughs> knows that in my like mini one that I did that like things with my dad showed up and like feelings of like abandonment and everything. So yeah, I'm really curious um, with doing a full one and kind of asking your higher self like what, what I need to, you know, release this. I think that's like very interesting. And that is like, that's just an interesting take and like thought on depression too, because it's, it's supposed to be this like pervasive sadness without a feeling. And, you know, what if the feeling isn't in this life? What if it's a feeling from another life? Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it comes to even therapy in this life, just regular therapy, I think that it can work beautifully in tandem with past life regression because it's like once you've identified the source and still released it, it's not an absolute that it's going to be gone forever because at the end of the day, I'm just the guy who asks the questions and brings you to a place where you receive the information but then it's up to you what you decide to do with that information if you want to make a change. So if it's a sadness over, you know, a connection, still it stems from a past life and then you identify the source of it, but it's still something that is persistent in your current life, you can talk about it in therapy. I mean, hopefully the therapist will be on board for these types of things, but it's, it's bringing that new, I mean, for lack of a better term, dimension to it. Because if they can't pay why it is the way that it is, or if they say they know, but they're just, you know, full of crap, it can be incorporated. So then you can go through the experience of learning whatever it is you have to learn from it in this life and then move on. So, I mean, I bring that up because there are times when that's what happens, where it's something so clear cut, where it's like, okay, my higher self is not going to just let me release this. This is something I have to deal with. Now for this particular person, it's something that she'd been trying to get to the source of for a very long time. So she had been doing the work. No, this wasn't just her, her first stop was, Oh, I'm just going to go do a past life regression. It was like, no, she tried to identify it for a very long time. And that was, in my opinion, her reward is like, you've been going for it. Now it's going to be gone. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine if she hadn't done a ton of work on herself before that that would be like kind of an alarming experience. (laughs) Like she probably wouldn't have been ready for that information. Right. And yeah, if she wasn't ready, then she wouldn't receive it. Like I firmly believe you will only see what you're ready to see and you will never be shown what you can't handle. 
Like I've never had someone say to me after, I couldn't handle that. That was too much. Yeah. What's an example kind of of someone that like it wasn't like a clear cut thing. Like they had this like process of things they had to do with dealing with something from their past life. Mm. So there was a time when this was a curveball that I was thrown <laughs> because when I do a session with someone, I speak with them for a couple hours beforehand to get their life story, you know, to understand where they're coming from in this life and where the patterns are. So that way, when they pop up in the past life portion of the session, I'm able to identify it. And so this particular person had been talking about the relationship with their husband. And I'm thinking, yeah, you should leave this person. <laughs> I mean, still not saying it, but thinking also that that's the advice that her higher self would give at the end of the session was leave, just leave. But what she had uncovered was that they had multiple lives where they just couldn't communicate. And so what she was presented with or the advice that was given is like, no, no, you're not leaving. You two have to work this out. You two have to learn how to communicate with each other. So it's almost like doing that thing that you don't want to do. Like instead of facing it, and I don't want to say running away because a lot of the time, most of the time, that's usually what the remedy is, is to leave a situation that you've been repeating for multiple lifetimes. But in this particular situation, it was, no, no, you got to stay and deal with it. You two have to figure this out. Although still, that does not happen that often. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm having very interesting thoughts, <laughs> personal thoughts. Of, I'm like, what would be like that pattern that is repeating that is somehow connected to my dad? Um, yeah, I have, a lot, I have a lot of interesting speculations, but I could be wrong like you were about that life. So it is interesting. Um, yeah, I guess like in one last question I had was we kind of touched on like how this could affect, you know, mental health and everything. So what's kind of like an example, like how would this affect someone that's having, you know, like a physical ailment, like, you know, autoimmune or like chronic pain or I don't know, whatever it may be. <laughs> so for those issues, again, not a doctor, just my, <laughs> my observations as a past life regressionist and not a doctor for your listeners. With autoimmune issues, the pattern that I see is that it is emotions. It is emotions that are bottled up and there's no outlet. So the body's only way to find some sort of emotional release is to have inflammation, just like you were saying earlier. So it's a matter of identifying what the source is. But still in those situations, a release can take place. By the end of the day, it's up to you what you decide to do with it. Do you make that change? If it's about a fear, do you confront that fear? Do you stay with that fear? Like, do you do something about it? So 
that's what I see like on the autoimmune side. But then you have something like, I had one happen recently where this person talked about having chest pains, but not like a heart attack chest pain. Like she made it very clear that it wasn't like a heart attack, but it was a deep pain that was you know, just around that area, but it was also more prevalent in the back. Mm-hmm. And she had went back and saw herself as a doctor in her previous life, as a heart surgeon, who she described as a not, not such a very nice guy. And I think her terminology was more colorful than that. But he lost someone on the operating table. And that grief stuck with him in that life. And it sunk him very low. And it it was carrying that burden around of also losing faith in, in his life's work. And so what she had identified was that's where that man felt the pain was in that part of his chest where she was feeling it. Now, the part about him being a heart surgeon, I mean, could you be more poetic in like the delivery of it? But it was identifying that, acknowledging it and releasing it. So there was that. And then, you know, a lot of physical stuff. You know, I, I don't want to say always, but generally what I see is, when I say physical, I mean like back issues, things of that nature. Generally stems from an injury sustained in a past life, more times than not, that was the fatal blow. And that you carry it over into this life on a cellular level. Now, how that works, I don't know, because it's like, you know, when you think cellular, you think biological. So if you're jumping bloodlines, how do you bring that in on a cellular level? Or is it something that comes with your soul? And that when you jump into a new body, you bring that imprint with you. And then on the cellular level there, it just manifests itself or is the cellular level just an expression? And that it's those memories that carry over and it just manifests itself in that same place where you were mortally wounded in a past life. Yeah. Well, this can get me into deep, deep conversation because if you say, if you say memory, memory is like a cellular thing, like memory, memories, like consolidating memories and bringing up all memories is like a cellular process. And then I think about, you know, the studies on like epigenetics and how, you know, different traumas can carry on from the womb for like eight generations or something. And obviously it's different because they're, they're coming from a past life and we don't know how exactly they're linked, but I definitely, you know, I definitely think it's possible and it's, super interesting and it's interesting too that it's like the fatal the fatal blow which is kind of something that carries over so it's super interesting also i'm very happy that i'm talking to a neuroscientist right now to correct me on the cellular level component because it's like now it makes sense okay that's what memory stored yeah because um i need to (laughs) i need to talk more about this in some way but um yeah, it really clicked for me when I thought of so so neurons, the cells of the nervous system, 
inside them, just like all cells, is the nucleus. The nucleus is where the DNA is stored. Um, And a lot of different processes take place in the cell, which affect gene expression, what is expressed. And not exactly that process, but within that process that has to do with different pathways and different memories being brought up and everything. So I don't know. It's super interesting. I, I saw something the other day, too, where someone was saying, like, just like a state of bliss or your state of mind, I believe it can change your DNA. And I feel like people in the the spiritual space say this all the time and they don't really know if it's like true. <laughs> I feel like spirituality has gotten like really into DNA lately, but um, it is true, which is really cool. But um, yeah. You mind if I jump in on that one? Yeah. I believe it's, definitely possible but on the flip side i think you have to face your shadows so just simply saying i'm going to be in a state of bliss i think you're kidding yourself i think that it's a way of putting a band-aid on what you're carrying around it's it's a way to dress it up very nicely and you may convince yourself that you're in a state of bliss but you may not be. And when it comes to carrying that shadow around, if you don't deal with it this time around, you're just going to have to do it next time. So can you be in a state of coexistence with being in a state of bliss and working on your shadow self at the same time? Because to me, that's still my feeling that that is one of the, the most dangerous things about spirituality right now is that it's, how do I put it? It's advocating for Band-Aids. Yeah, it's love and light spirituality. It's not grounded. It's, yeah. And I, I think too, I, I think of it too from like a neuroscience perspective and, you know, being in a state of bliss, you know, of course it's great to feel great. Mm -hmm. but if you don't rewire your brain and your your hyperactive amygdala that's putting you in this fear state and actually go to the root of what's causing that so you can reset your nervous system to be in a rest and digest state not in a fight or flight state then you're you have to do that to get to the root to actually rewire your brain to form new connections in your brain and to affect gene expression. So it's not just one time of being in bliss. Like you have to work on rewiring those pathways to have a lasting change, which is another way of you have to face your shadows and the things that, you know, made you in that state to be able to be in a more constant state of bliss Mm -hmm. daily. Yeah. It's, Look, it's a beautiful concept, though. And I do believe that the world needs more of that. So, like, you know, I'm not completely opposed to it, but it's one one side of the coin. Yeah. Well, I think it is interesting. Of course, like everything that's put in an Instagram quote, the actual experience is a lot more complicated. But Mm -hmm. I think it is interesting because it is true in a sense that you know, being in a calm state 
can actually change your genes, which is a cool, a cool concept, but it's just Mm -hmm. not without the other work (laughs) to get there first. Exactly. Um, Yeah. I mean, I definitely believe that you can rewire your brain and that you can, you know, change the way you think. Right. I'm also speaking from personal experience where when I first came around to spirituality, that's kind of what my mindset was. Oh, if I just think it's all love and light, everything is going to be fine. Yeah. I was kidding myself. Like then, you know, (laughs) the universe had a different idea for me. Like, no, Daniel, you're an idiot. (laughs) Like we're going to show you. I'm like, okay. It's super funny. Because like, um, I guess when I came into spirituality, I, I was never like attracted to the love and light people. And like, honestly, I like never really had them in my space. Like, like when I came into spirituality, it was like, I came in through darkness. Like it was never like, oh my God, we're just going to like sit around and like drink green juice and like meditate and everything's fine. It was like, oh my God, I'm uncovering like the depths of like my soul and my trauma. And I like... I'm in like a bathtub crying and like not knowing how I'm going to like make it through this. Like that was how I entered. So it's, it's super interesting. Like I definitely think that's one of the bigger problems is people preaching, you know, spiritual bypassing all of this like love and light shit. And then mm-hmm. also people that are like really privileged, just like showcasing. Like I, I think, you know, the, the life beyond this life, the things we can't see are very important. They shouldn't be used to like bypass the real problems that are like occurring, you know, in our world. What do you mean by that? Like, I I guess people that are just like, Oh, I'm just going to like astral project into like the planets. And like, I don't need to be like associated with like, you know, like helping to, like being in this life for a reason, like helping to solve problems that are important to solve, like in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you mentioned about you kind of being thrown into the darkness when you had your awakening. I think I was too, but the way for me to deal with that pain I was experiencing was for me to say, it's all love and light. It's all love and light. If I just bask in the light right now, I don't need to look at this pain. That was my impression of me with the voice change. So, but, you know, when it came to things of that nature too, like you're saying with astral projection, when I came around to all this, I was doing a lot of meditating, a lot of those funky meditations where it was like, you know, go to the different dimensions and everything. Because you know what it was for me? It was an escape. Like it was full heartedly an escape for me not to be here and to deal with it. And when it comes to like purpose in the world, I felt at the time that I was here to play a role, however big or small that may be. I thought it was on a micro level and I still think it's on a micro level but it's still that effect that you can have that ripples throughout space and time. If you can help one person and then the change that they bring to the world, then you're helping by proxy. But that's all that I focused on. And everything that came before that was, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It made me who I am. That's all that matters. And it's propelling me forward. It's like, no dude, you got to deal with that. 
So, and now it's, and I like to use the analogy of putting your mask on first, which still holds a different connotation these days than a year and a half ago. Like being on an airplane and putting your mask on first you know, when it drops from the ceiling. Like when they say at the beginning, like, you know, in case of an emergency, it's like you've got to help yourself first and heal yourself first before you can put the mask on the child next to you, who is the world. Like you have to heal yourself first. Yeah. Then you can help bring love and light to the world once you've healed yourself. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely had to learn that I was trying to save everyone else but myself. (laughs) And I also just have to say, this is coming from someone right now who hasn't fully healed themselves. I'm still working on it. I mean, it's going to be a lifelong process, but I don't have all the answers and I'm not a perfect person or a perfect individual sitting in front of you right now. I'm flawed. I'm still broken in a few ways. I'm, I'm working on fixing it and still casting a light on those shadows. It sucks, but at the end of the day, it feels so good. It's liberating. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I hold the belief that we're, you know, we're never fully healed. We're always kind of just working on things. <laughs> Unless someone's been sitting in a cave for 40 years and they tell you that they're fully healed, walk the other way. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. don't, don't believe them. Yeah. Like, but if they've been in that cave, like, yeah. If you're dedicating yourself to that, then I think there's that potential to become fully healed. But I'm not that guy sitting in a cave right now. So, yeah, it's interesting because I, I don't think you'll ever be like fully healed in the spiritual sense, but something I'm really passionate about, like with mental health and everything is there's such this idea that you just, you come in in this like crisis situation and like you get just enough better to function. And I'm so, I I hate that idea. I'm like, we don't need to just be getting people back to functioning. Like I feel like from trauma, from eating disorders, from depression, like there's the opportunity to get people to like full healing kind of in that sense. And like, I don't know. That's just like a whole nother conversation with our healthcare system and like band-aids and. Right. It's, I like to think of a forest fire when you have forest fires going off everywhere. Yeah. It's important to put out those fires, but where's the arsonist? If it's not just a natural phenomenon, whether there's an arsonist or arsonist out there, you got to find that person who's lighting those fires and that being the source of whatever those issues are, you know, the putting out that fire to function, that's all it is. It's just putting out a fire. Important. Yes, it's necessary, but it's, you know, it's going to find its, find a way to pop up somewhere else. Yeah. It's just scratching the surface. And I, I feel like in so many of those definitions, it's like you have the stigma forever or like, is it possible to ever heal? And it's like, I think it's totally possible to heal from mm-hmm. those things, but it's super interesting. And this conversation has been really fun. And I feel like we've covered, you know, past life regressions, but also, you know, time and space and other dimensions and aliens <laughs> and illness. It's been, you know, we've really covered a lot. <laughs> it's been fun. Thank you. Yeah, it has been fun. I haven't done an interview in like, I guess like a month and I don't know. I just always, 
really enjoy these and I'm just excited to put something else out there and you're going to be on my one year anniversary episode so that's really special Woo! Woo. <laughs> happy to hear that thank you just thank you for providing me the space to face my fears you're welcome i yeah. greatly appreciate it yeah i hope i can provide the space for a lot of people to to face their fears <laughs> i think that that's in the cards for you good <laughs> so where can people find you you can find me on instagram at the past life regressionist or my website, which is yourpastliferegressionist.com. Great. And I will have those those links in the bio, as always. And that is, that's great that you got that username on Instagram. I'm surprised no one's taken that. Right? I got really lucky. With that <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> well, everyone go check out Daniel's work, get a full regression, all of those things. I'll be getting my full one soon and maybe having him back on the podcast to discuss that. But... Thank you guys. And thank you, Daniel. This was very fun. Thank you. Bye, everyone.